Welcome to Not Just Pretty Faces, the podcast that celebrates women who are killing it. I'm so excited to share the stories of brilliant, funny, and powerful women who are tapping into their skills and making tomorrow better. On this podcast, you'll learn how women just like you tackle tough choices, failure, and cultural bias in pursuit of bringing their great ideas to life. These women are the face of change, not just pretty. Hi, I'm Rena Jensen, your host and a mental fitness and resilience coach, and I help women have more success, better relationships, and less stress, which gives them more happiness in their lives. Let's get started. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Not Just Pretty Faces. Today, we have, again, Alex Kobelfrakes, the founder and CEO of The Agenda Period, but our conversation is going to be a little bit different today with everything that's going on in the world and politics and everything that has to do with our bodies and our bodily autonomy. So trigger warning for anybody that has experienced um, some things that they didn't want to experience, be prepared that this is uh, going to be some of the, those are going to be some of our topics today. So, well, Alex, hello. Hi. I'm good. I'm I'm a little nervous. I'm glad we did that balance before we started. But uh, these are really important conversations that are happening, and they need to keep happening. So, yeah. from that respect, I'm I'm ready to dive in. Okay. So, the topic is abortion, and um, we're going to talk about your experience with that and everything that goes along with making that decision and whatever else you feel comfortable sharing. So where would you like to start? Um, I think a place that's good to start is I grew up in the Midwest. I'm from Iowa, but my family's pretty, not every part of my family, but kind of my core family is pretty open. I would say, um, politically liberal or progressive. And so conversations around abortion, they're not like they happened all the time, but they weren't something that was talked about as a negative thing. It was talked about when those conversations came up, like this is a part of healthcare. Um, this is something that people may need to access. I heard about Roe v. Wade growing up and I grew up in the Midwest. So there's like my family unit and then there's everything else. And so how I always made that distinction was like abortions are totally, totally okay for other people to access. I am really smart and would never need to access abortion as healthcare. Um, so like even in that kind of frame of thinking, there's a, there's a line of judgment that I had against people who might need it. Cause like, ugh, just get on birth control. Oh, like, why, like, why wouldn't you do this? Why wouldn't you do that? There was so much privilege wrapped up into those assumptions because I never thought I would be in a position that I would need to access that kind of healthcare until I was. Right. Um, so I guess that's kind of the landscape to start with is I thought that they should absolutely be a choice for other people, but I would certainly never need to make that choice. Right. And it, that is, <laughs> that is the very first thing that popped into my mind and this is going to sound weird, but you know how my brain works and <laughs> others will get to know how my brain works. Um, it's like insurance. You don't want to need it. You don't want to have to use it, but you sure as hell are glad when it's, that it's there when you do need it. And I think that's a, that's a perfect way to think about it. And I, I also believe the reason 
that it's painted with this brush is like all the signs. I mean, if you drive around rural Iowa, you will see signs about abortion with like full blown, like 18 month olds or like, like year old, like babies that are sitting up on their own. And as a person who recently just had twins, I'm like, that's not even what a brand new baby looks like. These babies are like, Hey, like looking up at you with head control. I'm like, that's not a newborn baby, right. um, but they compare that as like, as if that is the choice that you're making when you have, and when most people access abortion is in the first trimester. And even more than that is within the first, you know, six to 10 weeks, this they're, they're acting as if that juxtaposition makes you think you are smashing like an 18 month old's head in. And like that, this is not right. the real conversation. Right. Like this, when these are, when these, when this healthcare is typically being accessed, it is a bundle of cells. And what, what the conversation around when life begins, that's something that's personal and spiritual. And that's something people have to come to on their own, but it feels disingenuous that all of the images that were shown are found. What even accessing abortion, what that means is like dismantling a fully formed outside of the body human child. Right. And that is not the same situation as when people are accessing these, these resources. It's not, it's complete manipulation of emotions yes. and it's wildly unfair to the person that's yes. making that decision. Yeah, it is. And even what we're learning about when they say it has a heartbeat, well, there are actually heart cells that are starting to pass elect like electricity. It is not the same as having a fully formed heart. Right. So even that is meant to really gut you and make you feel terrible. So all of that was in, in my mind when I'm like, I would, I would never kill a baby. I mean, if someone else has to do that, I want that to be available for them. But uh, do you see those, you see those pictures? I can never do that. Right. It's like not even the, it's not real. It's not what's really happening. And yeah, so it's really frustrating the way that the misinformation is spread intentionally to make people, particularly women or folks with uteruses, feel horrific about themselves. It's right. all very insidious and very intentional. It, I, I, I 100% agree with you on that. It is uh, very negatively manipulating. And um, most people have a, this idea that manipulation is negative anyway. Um, but this is like, really negatively manipulating the entire population to conform to this idea of what this group of people believe to be truth and should it's their truth, but it's not necessarily truth for everybody. So you needed it. Yes. You had to make that choice. Yep. And, um, kind of what led up to that is I got to a point I had been on hormonal birth control in some form for around 10 years, which is really, really common. And also really frustrating because I was never apprised of all, or like made aware of all of the potential side effects. Like there was no conversation about what this could do to my developing brain, about what this could do to my developing endocrine system, about what it could do to my sexuality. There was nothing discussed when I went to that first faithful day in the gynecologist's office. They're just like, right. I think um, like I was ready to be sexually active, but I'm like, I have heavy periods. <laughs> like, cause again, we can't even openly talk about uh, as a woman wanting to access our own sexuality right. uh, without seeing as like big fat slut. Uh, alert. Right. Um, right. Don't, don't let's not talk about pleasure. <laughs> um, yeah. But so like, 
I was like, yeah, my periods are horrible. And I think I did have really heavy periods. But what I know now is that's just part of the maturing hormonal cycle process. Yeah. Um, if people, if I would have been given a magnesium supplement or zinc or some of other natural, like I would have been having such heavy, clotty periods. But um, that was kind of the excuse and the way in the door. And it's what everyone seems to tell their doctor because they don't want to talk about sex or consent. Um, they just talk about having bad periods, which right. leads to this continued stigmatization of our periods, which is a whole other podcast. Um, right. But finally, I was ready to get off of it because I felt like shit. And I really had started to learn about some of the potential implications of hormonal birth control. And I was like, I'm an, I'm a married adult woman. I'm, I can figure out this family planning thing. Like I'm going to do it. I'm getting off birth control. Um, and I did not know enough. I did not understand enough of the literature at that time. It's fairly easy to understand now, but I just didn't have access to the same creators or teachers online that I found since then. And because I'll tell you, I have now stayed pregnancy free for a year and a half while having sex with my husband, post having twins, still having a regular menstrual cycle. I know how it works when I had the right information. I yeah. did not have as enough information before. And I, I got pregnant in a time where it was, it was an impossibility in my life. It was just not the right time for me, not the right time for my family. And so my husband and I had a really tough conversation about accessing that healthcare. And because I was tracking my cycle, this is before the agenda period, but I was already really into tracking my cycle. It was in within, um, four and a half, five weeks of conception uh, of my last menstrual period, which is another bullshit thing is when they consider you pregnant from your last menstrual period, which means the egg has not even popped out yet. So there's no pause. Like, right. Right. But anyway, so I was probably two weeks post ovulation, which would be called four weeks pregnant. Um, mm -hmm when I went to access that healthcare. So I think that's a very, um, a point that needs to be made or, or a conversation that needs to be had. You were married and you had a conversation with your husband, because I think the, the thought behind so many people is that only women who are single and are, um, irresponsible get abortions, have abortions. 60% of people who access abortions are already mothers. Uh -huh. <laughs> so no, it is, the majority is not just like little hussies, um, right. <laughs> which again is language I don't believe in, but like the, the picture, the brought the brushstrokes that are painted. No, I was in a monogamous committed legal entity relationship. Right. And um, at the time, Trump had just been elected. My husband was not, my husband's from a different country. We were waiting on the visa process. And that was a big part of consideration. Trump came in and started immediately bashing all of the uh, immigration structure to bits. And I was like, I'm not doing this alone. I, I don't, I don't have the financial structure or the capability to do this, never knowing if my husband's ever going to be able to come to this country. Right. It's a big, scary decision. And to have that conversation with your husband with sporadic visits at the time, right? Yep. So I had just come back from visiting him when I got pregnant. <laughs> um, but I like I knew, and so I immediately went and I luckily had a Planned Parenthood very close by. I also had just moved across the country to take a different job. So I was I was literally in a brand new city. I had nobody. 
I had no friends. I had no family uh, because I had come back from visiting him the day after I, like two or three days after I came back from visiting him, I moved cross country. And so like the next week after I moved there, cause okay, that's like two, three weeks. I was, I it was like already had my appointment. So you were not in the Midwest when you had this procedure done? No, I was in California. Yeah. So it was like really easy. Um, but it was still terrifying the first time I went to Planned Parenthood. Yeah. What was that process like? I was literally imagining like picket signs. I had like the Uber drop me off like down the street because I didn't drive myself because I like needed to like scope out the situation um, because I didn't know. I've seen so many clips of the way people act and respond. And I was like, I, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do what I need to do. But I don't, I just don't know. And I was very nervous going into the clinic at the first time. And then there was like nobody there. (laughs) It was like, luckily no one was there. I think I was the only person inside the clinic at the time. No one was angrily shouting at my face, but that feeling did not dissipate. Every time I went back, I was anticipating an attack right? because of the way that many women and uterus havers like experiences, even if they're not going to Planned Parenthood to access abortion as healthcare, that is the way that they're treated when they go to a Planned Parenthood. Right. Because this, this idea that Planned Parenthood is only doing that. And, and it's like cranking out abortions every five seconds. Right. Yeah. Get the next 20 years. <laughs> right. Like that's not the vibe because right. actually the first time I went, Um, I was hysterical. Like after I got back into the room, they like the confirmed the test, like, yes, you're pregnant. I was like, (laughs) Oh my God. Um, and they were just like, okay, what's your plan? I was like, what do you mean? My plan? You're my plan. I'm here. Let's do the plan. And they're like, no, like who's your doctor? I was like, I don't have a doctor. I literally just moved here. They're like, where's your closest emergency room? I'm like, I don't know what anything is. And I was just like, lost my damn mind. And Lydia's like, ma'am, I'm going to need you to reschedule this appointment. You can come back tomorrow, but I need you to go do some research. Oh. And so for, for this idea that they push people into this decision and they're really like, I was desperate to get the procedure just over with and she right. me come back. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. Not because they're like, hey, we want to do this, but because they wanted to make sure that you had the support and had the knowledge that you needed to have in order to successfully go through this procedure. And that I was making it from a clear headed place that it wasn't just like a rush. So like this narrative that they're just like, again, waiting to rip life from every womb is just such fucking bullshit. Right. <laughs> um, but so I came, I, I did my research. I had a plan. I had a game base cause I still didn't feel that good, but I at least came with the right answers um, because I knew it was the right decision. Yeah. And again, the only guilt and shame I had and had after the procedure, we can talk about that too, but it's just based on all this bullshit I had been inundated with my entire life. Yeah. Not because it was, I don't regret it. It was not the right time for me to start a family. None like people like, well, it's a hard decision that people have to make. It was hard because of all of the lies I had always been told about it. Right. And that's so important. There, the lies and the assumptions are And not having the education about our bodies in the first place, because we're not, we have not been raised as women in uterus havers to understand and accept who we are in every function of our body. So all of that on top of this is, this is a medical procedure done for other people. 
And I want to be really clear too. Like, I don't mean this flippantly. Like I thought we, we as a couple thought about this decision long and hard before I'd made that decision. But after we got to that inflection point, I, I don't regret it. It doesn't mean there wasn't like conversation or tears or like emotions to go through, but all of the residual baggage is absolutely not because I regret it. It was not the right time for me to start a family, but it is the way that we are treated and talked about that made me feel sick. And so what happened, like the procedure itself was fairly low key. I was so early because I've been tracking my cycles that I took, I had the pill. So I took one in their office and then I took one 48 hours later or 24 hours later, whatever the hours are, they will tell you that if you need to access the service. Um, and it was like having a really heavy period. And I watched RuPaul's Drag Race and cried, <laughs> but mostly because I was alone in a new city and I had yeah. heard so many scary things about doing this. Right. Um, but afterwards I had recurring yeast infections for over a year and wow. that was absolutely the guilt and shame tied into yep. having an abortion. And there, there's, there's so much to our emotions coming out through our bodies too. That's a whole, also a whole nother podcast, but that makes sense that you would have recurring yeast infections because of the guilt and shame. Yep. And I, and like a few months after I had an abortion is when I started my health coaching company. And it was, it was hard for it to take off because I even had guilt and shame around earning money around being happy around my ideas of deservability after making this choice. Mm -hmm. Like, Um, do you want to share how old you are? You were when you had this procedure? I think I had just turned 27. Okay. 26 or 27. Yeah. I think that's important for people to understand as well, because it's not just young people. (laughs) Right. It's, it's not high schoolers that are having fun on the weekend and shit, you know, it's not just people that have suffered some kind of sexual trauma. It it's every person that has a uterus at every age. I'm 48 years old. I still have the capability of getting pregnant. I know damn sure at this point in my life that if that were to happen, I would take that option because my life is not, I am not in a place that that would be the best possible outcome for all involved. Yeah, I think it it is really important because again, there's just this, you're being careless, you're being lazy, you're just, I I really thought I understood enough about FAM. And we even used barrier methods. Um, I, my husband and I are just very fertile people. That's, you know, why I got spun pregnant with spontaneous fraternal twins. Like we're both super fucking fertile. Like right. I was doing the best. I, we, we had talked about it. We were not ready to have a baby. We were being responsible. We were using a barrier method, you know, that's supposed to be 98% effective and we're still got pregnant because I'm right. super fertile Myrtle. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, yeah. So it's, it's just so unfair the way that the entire conversation is poised as people who are responsible. And, and let's also be clear, mistakes happen. Even people who are, are being irresponsible should not have their futures derailed or their lives completely changed by something that they weren't prepared for. 
because and, and have sex is fun to do. Sex is fun. I mean, sex can we fun. say it again for the people in the back? Sex <laughs> is fun. So if we could like be honest about that and then say like, yes, people have people have sex because sex is fun, and it is not all the barrier methods and all the contraception in the world does not work perfectly. Right. So we shouldn't penalize people for a lifelong decision because of that, even if they are doing what they should be or shouldn't be, you know, it's just, right. There's so many infuriating layers in this conversation. Absolutely. And all of them could be a podcast in and of themselves. (laughs) Yes. We're going to make a whole new channel. (laughs) Wait, didn't we talk about that? Maybe that's what we do. A women's health channel where we like talk a lot about abortion (laughs) and and everything else. And sex is fun. (laughs) Yes. All of it. (laughs) All of it. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Keep your eyes out for it. (laughs) Right. So, okay. So you were living in California. Yep. You uh, were alone in a brand new city and didn't have much support. What did you do in order to get through that time? RuPaul's Drag Race. The whole time. Literally, time. I would just like cry and watch RuPaul's Drag Race and like eat pints of ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> um, I had a couple of close friends that I reached out to. I would talk to my husband about it. Um, but yeah, it really put me in an emotionally bad place. Yeah. How did you care for your mental health at that time? After RuPaul's Drag Race and <laughs> pints of ice cream. Um, I spent, I I did take a lot of advantage of like being out in nature whenever I could, like the, where I lived in Napa, I was like an hour and a half from the redwoods, an hour from the beach. So like, it was a pretty stunning place to try to recover. You know, like there's a lot of great wilderness in the Pacific Northwest. Right. Um, but I was also in a job that I kind of hated. And so it was just, it was a tough ass period in my life. Right. Um, but I really did not start to come to fully to healing until I was at a health coaching event. I had started, so I went through health coaching school. I started working with a private coach. My business started growing in that process when I first started thinking about the agenda period. So it was just like all these cyclical things. And then I almost wrote a book about abortion because I was really pissed off that I didn't know how my body worked. And like when I traced the thread all the way back, I'm just like, if I would have just fucking known how to do fam all along, I would never have had an abortion. So I'm not putting the blame on anything, but I'm just like, this is fucked up. Like, I wish I would have just known because I, I don't think it's fair that women have to put their bodies on the line to use hormonal contraception in order to not conceive children when there is an almost equally effective method when it's applied correctly. (laughs) So I'm like, that's such bullshit. (laughs) Um, so I got really mad for a while and I was going to write a book about abortion. I even like, um, got a writing coach and was like starting to like plot things out and what it was going to be a collection of stories of my story and other people's stories kind of like shout my abortion which is an interesting social media movement but you know just kind of going into it a little bit more with some of the health aspect Uh and then I was at a health coaching conference and I um, decided I was going to get up in front of 300 people and tell them I had an abortion and I was just like sobbing and just like I'm like because I thought for sure I was like, this community seems pretty liberal, but I'm probably going to get kicked out. I'm probably not going to be allowed to be here anymore if I talk openly about having an abortion. And I was just like, but y'all, like my business is not going to grow. Like my things aren't going to move forward. And so even if I get like, this is some of the internal dialogue, but I'm like, even if I get kicked out, 
of these people who I think are like my new, my new group, you know, my new, my new folks. If I get kicked out, I have to still pick myself over picking, fitting in because if I don't, I, my business will never succeed. Um, can we say that louder for the people in the back as well? <laughs> <laughs> um, and like this shift happened and I was no longer mad. I just wanted to help people know how their body works. I love that so much. So did and that's why they did. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Is that, did you end up telling 300 people that you had an abortion? Yeah. Did you get kicked out? No, actually probably 50 people came up to me and said that really quietly. Yep. Because and then people messaged still- me after the event. Cause I heard about it. Cause like not everyone was in that like luncheon room, but it was like this yeah. big breakout. Um, yeah. At least 50 people told me from that. Cause it was a room of like a, a conference of like a thousand people, 90% of them women. <laughs> Phenomenal. There's, there's power in that for you. Like you said the anger went away after you shared that there's power in, in being able to share the story, our stories, whatever they may be and how uncomfortable or guilt-ridden or shameful we believe or perceive them to be. And that power is not just for us. It's for everybody else along the way that benefits from hearing I'm not alone. So kudos to you for sharing that in front of 300, mostly strangers, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) like sobbing and just like, so it it did unstuck my business. Unstuck, unstick. Right. Unstick. Unstuck. unstuck. Yeah. We'll unstuck. <laughs> Absolutely. Unstuck your business. I, I, agree, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> so you told 300 people, virtual strangers, virtually all of them, strangers, strangers. Um, but if I remember correctly, you hadn't told anybody else. Like you hadn't told family. Yeah. Like, like maybe three or four other people knew. So with the airing of this podcast, how many people are going to be knowing, having this knowledge about you for the first time? More than, <laughs> more than five. Uh, but it's, it's something like, um, it really like that precipice is like the thing, you know, like being stuck, I, I could have been stuck in this bitter place, but I wanted to move to joy. And it was the thing that ultimately led me to creating the agenda period was like, this desire to help people access the education that they have been insidiously denied their entire lives. Right. Um, and it's really important. The conversation right now is a lot about, you can't trust any period apps. They're going to sell all your shit. They're going to sell your data. They're going to sell you out down the river to people who could sue you or try to throw you in jail. And the reason I really wanted to talk about this and actually why I approached you about this is like, we're, we have never done that. The agenda period has never sold people's data. We are never going to sell your data. And the reason why it is so deeply rooted and personal for me is because I had an abortion. Yeah. And luckily I was able to access it in a place that was friendly and I didn't get attacked at a clinic and I had all of the support I needed within arm's length. If what we hear <laughs> happening with Roe goes through, that is not going to be the case for many millions of people in the United States. Yes. Um, 
And there is a valid distrust of applications and of this technology and what those implications can mean to people. And I wanted to just put my soul on the line and my heart on the line and let people know where the fuck this comes from for me and of why I'm so sure that we're never going to sell data. And we're even looking at how can we diversify the data packages so that even if we were to get a subpoena, there's nothing to hand over. You know, we're looking at what that can be on the legal side, what that can be, like what additional tech measures can we take personally into our own hands as the company? Because I will never sell someone out like that. It's not worth any amount of money in the world to me. Yeah. To do that to another woman or menstruator. And I, I think that's really important for people to hear because th- we are in a time of extreme distrust and there's not a whole lot that we can do about that. So, so for those people that are listening to hear this, and I know that you don't know Alex and you don't really know me, but you listen to the podcast and you think it's great, which I appreciate. Thank you very much. Um, I do know Alex and I do know how important and uh, how important this is and her level of integrity. Um, so I, I really want to reiterate that for people because that is vital. And if we can't find somebody to trust and we can't access the technology that we need to further understand our bodies because we don't trust big corporations, that's also a massive issue. and. I want to give you extreme kudos for sticking to that and understanding the importance of that and um, doing everything that you can in order to protect the privacy of the people that are using the agenda period app. Thank you. Um, Because the the discourse is shifting to like, just don't use an app. And I understand that perspective. And I was a paper tracker for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm also a mom now of two 17, 18 month old little humans that are all over the place all the time and have uteruses and, and have uteruses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand how that's not always realistic to, and, and then we can talk about the entire system that makes us too tired to spend five minutes tracking on paper. That is another whole podcast. In it, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but People desire to have an integrated approach that is easy, that's on their phone, their phone is always with them. And there should, you should know if that is something you desire, that is valid. And you should know what options are safe for you to do that and engage in that. And if you want to only use a paper tracker, yo, we just made a new period planning guide. So you can still use the content of the agenda period on your own paper calendar, but you can use the guide. Perfect. You can buy that on our website. Um, So we'll, we'll support you too. But if you want to have that digital option, you should know what's safe. And this is one of the ones that is safe and will remain safe. Yeah. I will close, you put this on record. I will close the agenda period before selling people out in this way. Yeah. That I'm, that I'm is go underground. I will literally make it on like scrolls of paper before <laughs> selling people out <laughs> because it's not worth any amount of money to me to put people in jail for accessing mm-hmm. health care. Right. Right. It's it's kind of like a reporter going to jail before they give up their source. <laughs> exactly. I, um, I, I had a question and it just completely escaped my brain. Um, I, you know, that happens way more frequently than I would like to admit. Accessing healthcare 
um, information. Oh, um, for people who are out there thinking, well, then how is the agenda period going to make money? Because we, there's not going to be a company if there's not making, if you're not making money. So how do you, because so many people sell data and that's never going to happen with the agenda period. How is the agenda period going to be profitable or is profitable? Well, we've got a low cost subscription based model, um, which is hopefully affordable for anyone who wants to access it. And we will be coming up with um, mechanisms for folks in the future who would like to have it, but it's economically an impossibility. So keep an eye out for that. But right now it's $9.99 for three months. So about $3 a month or $25 for the year. So like just over two bucks for, for per month, if you do the year subscription, and then we'll be able to sell, um, products in the app. So not selling your information to marketers, but bringing the marketers in. So like bringing the products in and you can pick and we'll get a commission from them. So it's not, it's not that complicated to make a new business model. It just takes you not, not being lazy about, Agreed. or, or just like seeing people as robots, but yeah, we have to make money. That's um, all businesses make money. If they tell you they don't make any money from you, they're selling your shit yep. because if the product is free, you are the product. So you just get yes. to know that as a consumer. And then you make your choice. If you're fine with being the product, go for it. I'm not judging you. I use Facebook. I use Instagram. Like I am yeah. the product a lot of places, but yep. just know what choice you're making when you engage with those pieces of content. And that um, affiliate style marketing is not um, to be more clear on who is able to uh, be in that, in that piece of it, on that piece of it. Uh, it's not just anybody. It's not like uh, a restaurant can come in and just be like, hey, I want to sell to your people. Who are the people that are allowed to be on that platform? There are people who need to be values aligned. So people who care about global menstrual equity, people who care about getting the support, supplies, and education to every woman and menstruator on the planet, like as their ultimate kind of driving force, they're heavily vetted. We want products that are good for your body. It is not just like going to be goop 2.0. It's going to be stuff that is like, that's rigorous and safe and we'll go through the continual updating process. So if we find out, hey, this product is not working for people or they shifted something in their formulation, those are things we're going to keep an eye on and, and we won't allow them to continue. Um, we want people to know, again, that it's safe stuff that they can use on their bodies and feel good about it. Yeah, yeah. That's also- So it's not like always, it's not Tampax. Um, right now we're looking at smaller organic pad and tampon companies, menstrual cup companies that have a high- value standard. Um, because if we're not protecting people and the planet, we will have nowhere to make profit. So business that only services its own end is unsustainable and unethical. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. There's also another distinction that um, I have in all of our conversations, I've heard you say so many times, but other people might be questioning why you have the distinction with um, uterus havers or menstruators uh, and not just saying women. You want to you want to touch on that for a hot second? Yeah, um, it's language that I spent hundreds of hours probably having conversations about because at first we were just talking about women, right? Um, but then we, we saw this shift to language where everyone in the period is just talking about menstruators, 
The agenda period is a menstrual cycle product. So we care about every single phase of the cycle, not just the three to five days that you're bleeding. This is about from day one of your cycle to day one of your next cycle to always and all of the spaces and cracks in between. And not every woman has a period. Even cisgendered women, not every woman has a period. Not every woman has a uterus. There are women who are born without uteruses. There are women who have had hysterectomies. Um, And then not everyone who has a period considers themselves a woman or is a woman or uses that language for themselves, right? There may be folks who are non-binary who do not feel like they fit into any category. There are trans men who still have a period. This work has enough space that we can all fit comfortably in all of the beautiful diversity of um, you know, different backgrounds that we bring with us, there is enough space. And so rather than getting forced into an either or choice, I always like to have a yes and. There's enough room. So that's why we like to say women and menstruators, or in particular, we're talking about abortion, like uterus havers. There may be someone with a uterus who does not identify as a woman who may need to access abortion right. as healthcare. Actually, I there's a trans man who I follow on Instagram, and he's a what I think he calls himself a seahorse dad. He has had two children. Um, he's a trans man. And he talks about like all the language about Roe, it talks about women not being able to access abortion. He's like, so could I get an abortion legally? Like on my legal documents, it says, man, if I got pregnant, could I have an abortion? Because like, they're not even thinking. And he's like, I don't like mean to call attention to the the mishap, but like, is this the one place where being um, gender exclusive could be like a loophole for somebody? Right. Valid question. (laughs) Um, But it was just, it was just really interesting to think about. And the argument against being inclusive is because people feel like they're being erased. And I just want to open up your heart. If you feel that kind of like twinge in your gut right now, this does not invalidate your experience. If you just want to call yourself a woman, call yourself a woman. If you want to call yourself a menstruator, call yourself a menstruator. That was one of the reasons I was like, I'm not switching everything to just menstruator because I don't think about myself as a menstruator. I don't resonate with that language as being like the only definition but there is enough space to be kind and considerate. Even if the problem isn't a problem for you, like this is really a time where all women and gender non-conforming and trans people, all of our rights are on the line with what is getting passed down by road. This is not a time for us to fight each other. This is a time to say like, there is enough space. And I think that comes to a, an abundance versus a scarcity mindset. Women have been very persecuted and there's a lot of reasons to be afraid. And there's a lot of reasons to be pissed off but we don't need to fight other other women or gender non-conforming people in order to have like rights are not pie. We're not going to run out of slices. Right. And like it really understanding that. that we can all be on the same side together. And so that's why that language is really important to us. I think this, this conversation is important for many, many reasons. And we all know what most of those are, but I think it's, I think it's most in my mind in this very moment, this conversation is vital because it opens up a perspective that many people are probably struggling to have. A married woman in her late 20s sought health care that most people wouldn't have considered or want to consider or think is necessary or you know, they have, they have an opinion about it. And 
to learn all the things and, and the, uh, I'm going to use the word integrity again, because it's such a, it's such a, such an important piece to everything that we do. The integrity with which the agenda period is being ran by you is above and beyond. And I know I already gave you kudos, but I'm going to give it to you again, because it's important for people to understand that, that this is not something you're willing to fuck with. This is not a fuck around and find out situation for anybody except the government. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's just that crystal clear. Like this is not, this is not something it's not up for debate. Like if you don't like my stance on it, like go find a different product to use. If you don't like me, don't look at my stuff. Like this is about bodily autonomy and actually strangely people have weird like loopholes for themselves. Like in this case, it should be allowed in this case, it shouldn't be allowed before six weeks is fine. But after this, you're a murderer. But even with all those parameters, 80% of Americans believe that abortion in some form should be legal. Yes. That is why this is, this is just such fucking bullshit. And it's, it is about control. Don't let them confuse you. This is not about being pro-life. This is about controlling women and people with uteruses. Absolutely. That's it. Yep. This is about an instrument of control to make us small, to keep us from progressing, to keep us from being in the workforce, to keep us from having control over our careers. This is not about the thing they're saying it's about. If we're focused on these things and trying to survive in this way, then we do not, in their opinion, have the energy or the ability to thrive in any other way. So I also want just like maybe a good place to kind of wrap this full circle is if you are scared, you know, cause they've talked about outlawing IUDs, doing all this other horse shittery, like there are ways to keep your body not pregnant. And we had this, we had this collective wisdom long before the allopathic medical system. There are circles and communities popping up. There are really great fam providers. So family like family planning that is just based on your natural fertility signs. There are ways to get informed and educated that you don't have to wait in fear to see what they're going to pull out next, because you can be in control of this journey for yourself and for your family. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a beautiful mic drop moment. (laughs) And, and who doesn't want to be in control of themselves? Exactly. But they've tricked us into thinking it's too complicated. It's too confusing. And again, that is more of the, the lies. So there are ways, there are resources. We can link to some in the show notes. And um, like, we are not, we don't have to be without hope, even though this time can feel really scary. We've got a lot more under our control once we start putting those pieces together. And there's a whole network of people ready to help you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're two of them. <laughs> yes. Call, DM us. <laughs> we'll help get you resources. Great. We'll figure out, we'll help you figure shit out. <laughs> yeah. Alex, my friend, my amazing, beautiful, courageous friend. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I think it's going to help so many more people than we can even imagine. Thanks for hosting it. This was a big one. I was like, who do you want to host this conversation? Definitely. (laughs) Right. All right. Well, on that note, I think we're going to end here. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so, so much. And everybody listening, please know If you want to still have the ability to track your period and understand your body, go to theagendaperiod.com and and 
learn, learn all the things you need to know. There is a Facebook group community. Um, we'll put that in the show notes as well. So you can access that if you want, if you want to, uh, talk more about your cycle and all the things that happen there. Um, gosh, there's so many things I want to say, but I can't think of all of them. So anyway, check out the show notes (laughs) and we will talk to you more beautiful souls soon. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. If you were inspired by this episode, would you do me a favor and let me know? Go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review or share this episode. This helps us spread the word and we get to continue sharing the stories that help bring your own ideas to life. Until next time.